Welcome to Thriving Perspectives, and thank you for taking a moment in your day to join us, hear our stories, and discover new ways to embrace thriving. I am Terry Dubroy, founder and executive director of Thrive, Enabling Potential. In a captivating and heartfelt conversation with our guest, Ricky Dassault, we will be challenging the long-held belief that teaching excellence is solely measured by experience and age. We will explore why effective teaching goes far beyond the number of years spent in the classroom and delve into the many skills and qualities that truly define exceptional educators, such as passion, adaptability, communication, empathy, and a steadfast commitment to lifelong learning. This conversation with Ricky was so packed with stories, insights, and inspirations that we have decided to split it into two parts to make sure you can be fully immersed in the discussion. This is part one, so be sure to tune into the next episode to hear Ricky's incredible personal journey and perspectives, especially how important being resilient is to thriving in life. Ricky is a high school teacher, coach, and mentor to many of his colleagues and students alike, embodying the dedication and passion that educators require. It is individuals like Ricky who inspire us to continually improve ourselves and our impact on others. Whether you're a seasoned educator or a fresh face in the profession, or perhaps just interested in ways to improve your ability to support others in your life, you're in for an enlightening journey. Join us as we delve into the profound world of teaching excellence, personal growth, and the thriving mindset. Welcome to the podcast, Ricky. Thanks, Terry. Ricky, based on our past and present experiences, how do you think our teaching profession has changed over time? I would say it's gotten a little tougher. Mm-hmm. I feel like as we progress, the technology piece has definitely made things extremely difficult. And I think it's it makes it a lot harder to get our students' attention, mm-hmm. which if you don't have students' attention, it's going to be really hard to do anything in your classroom. So I think it's gotten a lot tougher. I don't know if you'd agree with that. I think so. I think cell phone use is tough. I really... It's Mm -hmm. only recently that the provincial government, for us at least here in Ontario, suggested that it is not really a constructive place for it to be used. And if the teacher deems it's not a good fit, then it's not to be in there. But it's tough. It's really ingrained. It's a super leash for students. It's like this weight. Yeah. And the amount of discussions I'm sure we've both had with students about things like that. And there's so many uh, distractions that come through that alone. And it's tough because not everyone has the same mindset when it comes to that too, because there's teachers that really don't care if students have phones. So then if there's out of 60 classes going on at once, if there's 40 of them that you're not allowed to have phones in, but there's another 20 that the teachers are okay with that, then it's tough to maintain that, that position, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think all teachers have a, an amendable personality that can kind of work with that a little bit and to take perhaps a a heightened or a bit of a stressful situation and just calm that down and find a good resolve or even having the right discussion just to be able to have things work. Yeah. You know, I think it's been a really, really long time since teachers have been able to forcefully do things and have that perhaps, I don't want to say acceptable, 
But almost. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I'm sure we both have stories from our past that would kind of look at that. I know, as an example that comes to mind immediately, is now I could understand how intensely frustrated this teacher would be. Now, folks, for you listening at home, I'm dating myself here a little bit, but I also think it provides good context for the story and looking at this teaching moment because this is taking place in in the mid-80s. So very different than now, that's for sure. And so this particular teacher came into the science lab, which was on the first floor, and we opened up the back door, the emergency door that didn't have an alarm or anything like that. It was just a fire escape. And we piled in a bunch of snow. This teacher <laughs> this teacher was well known for departing for sometimes 20 minutes, sometimes <laughs> longer. And so this epic snowball fight ensued in the classroom. And he came in like right at the epic moment of the snowball (laughs) fight and seeing this fellow's look and he was a big man okay he was around six four probably 260 wow and i was in grade eight at the time so you know probably a buck 20 wet (laughs) and it was just like a broken record and he looked around the room and it was just like this look of death he he said who started it? And they all pointed at the one kid who uh, was a little bit more boisterous. I, I, I don't always know necessarily what he was thinking or feeling. He was just yeah. that kid. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and I was sitting beside him at the time and I was kind of avoiding things a little bit because I didn't want to mess with the outcomes of what that fun might be. And everyone pointed at this kid and I'll call him Stevie that wasn't his real name and this teacher looked at him and he took out a set of keys that like a custodian would have back in the day where there's no master key (laughs) and he launched the set of keys and it smashed the blackboard in between both of us and they're so strong, those blackboards, those old school blackboards. We've all moved to whiteboards now pretty yeah. well. But that blackboard actually chipped and cracked. <laughs> and then ended up kind of pulling him out by the scruff, more or less dragging him out of the room, you know? Wow. And I also know that an older music teacher that I had at the time really enjoyed um, throwing chalk at students that didn't listen or fell asleep. Just you know, throwing a chalk. Just throwing, throwing chalk. a piece of chalk. Yeah. As and hard as he could. He, he, pretty well, but he was a bad shot. Perfect. Thank goodness for that, right? And I know many <laughs> listeners that, you know, can look back at that time period would probably suggest some of those things may have happened. And uh, yeah, so he had bad aim and threw the chalk and so on. And, you know, I even remember uh, working as a co-op student somewhere uh, so that would have been early 80s and seeing all the empty beer cans in the staff room. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> like that's just, we both know. That's just yeah. not a part of anything. It's a, oh, yeah. it's, a, it, it's just that mindset yeah. back then that, you know, that cultural part of yeah. all those things that M- took place. My, and... my mom's told me she used to smoke cigarettes with her teachers Wild. during lunch. 
I can't imagine what would happen to you if you did that now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I think the approach, maybe that strong arm approach, so to speak, or forcing someone to enjoy a subject matter somehow, yeah. or making sure that the point, you know, pardon the pun was hit home. Yeah. You know, that was being arrived at. And that's just not even close to the way that we look at things. No, now, no. That's for sure. I remember playing basketball and this teacher who's also our basketball coach during a halftime of a basketball game, which we were winning by four points at the time, came in the, dre- the dressing room and punched a hole through the wall Yeah, for no reason mm-hmm. because we weren't playing well enough. Yeah. So like a teacher could kind of have those, you know, first strike one, strike two, strike three, strike four, strike five, I think, at times. Yeah. Where nowadays, I don't think you get as many strikes. No. No, and uh, perhaps, and I know that's something both of us have no place in our lives for because there's far more productive ways at, oh, of course. you know, uh, yeah. inspiring folk than, uh, yeah. but again, it's that threat Almost. I'm not yeah. sure if I'm look using the right word on I, that, but it's I would a physical say, or, yeah. or an emotional. Or... I would say it's it's threat because yeah. I remember feeling that mm-hmm. feeling at times of a teacher yeah. yelling at me, and it and you feel yeah. threatened. You feel not scared like they're gonna harm you or anything like that, but there's some fear for sure. Yeah. And instilling fear in your students, I don't think is a the right way of going about things. No, and even before my time, I know of things being settled in a boxing ring, as an example. And I know the story really well, and uh, this was out of town and so on, but where, you know, imagine being a teacher or a student in this regard, saying, you know, let's say you're the teacher, and you approach a student and say, I think we need to uh, settle our differences, let's at the outcome after this we're just going to call it a draw but let's let's have at it yeah. we're going to lock let's the get doors we're going to lock the doors and we're going to have that out and to actually think that these things didn't exist or don't exist is so foolhardy to think yeah it was just i've seen it so often in my own time the stories that i've heard repeatedly yeah and that question right where where yeah. is education uh how has our teaching profession changed over time is I think we've found, well, I know we have found far better strategies. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I say that laughing in a way because <laughs> it's just so insane to think about. Oh, yeah. The things that took place. Yeah. It's uh, unbelievable. Up until almost. I would even say two and a half decades ago. Yeah. Maybe even as soon as that, where it was okay to, to almost yeah. do that because perhaps one story went went out more than another i i don't yeah. know right cuz there's still some pretty fresh stories that you hear you know in the lunchroom or yeah with other teachers more experienced teachers cuz i haven't been in the profession for that long but the more experienced teachers yeah. have some questionable stories that they understand if they did this today mm-hmm. yeah they'd be they, in big trouble and probably and they admit out it. of a job and probably out of a probably job exactly job, right? and they admit it but back then it yeah. was acceptable yeah you know, the things that uh, I'm glad what's happened in the past has stayed in the past. And I'm glad we've uh, made lots of positive changes about how we interact. And, yeah. you know, and that's something that you and I have found a, had a lot of discussions about. But 
looking at the past perhaps and you know and we, we talked about kind of the almost the ridiculousness of those interactions and the intensity of that but I think there's that flip side too and I know there is for me and I, I'm sure there is for you so can you share a personal story about a teacher who had a significant impact on your life and what made them stand out as a good teacher to you so I can think right away of a phys ed teacher that I had and a basketball coach, not the basketball coach that I mentioned not previously, not the same one. I had him for my grade nine and my grade 10 year. Also had him as a phys ed teacher. And to give you a little bit of a backstory, I grew up without a, without a father because he passed away in a trucking accident when my mom was pregnant with me. So I never ne- met my dad. Okay. So I grew up with just my mother in the house and my brothers. So I never really had that father figure. And I kind of always looked outside of my home to kind of get that because my mom tried to provide both roles, but that's an extremely difficult thing to do. So I I always kind of looked for that and never really found it until I got to high school. And this person just took me under his wing and would ask me meaningful questions that a father I would... I would think, I imagined in my head that those are the types of questions my dad would ask me. Mm -hmm. And he did this in the classroom, after practices, after games, and just these very deep questions and asked about me, how I felt, how Mm -hmm. I felt about my dad being gone and talking essentially about the role of a father because I had never seen what a father was supposed to do, right? And he kind of talked to me talked me through these things because at a very young age I knew that I wanted to be a father so I would ask questions and he would give me tips on that as well and these aren't conversations that you would expect to have with a teacher but the way that he started being interested in me is just because we did a a project where you just had to write a bibliography about yourself and I talked about my father passing away and instantly after he saw that I I saw right away he would ask me tons of questions, would always check in with me and just made a, an effort yeah. to be there for me. And there wasn't too many male figures that would do that in my life that would make an effort. And that's all I wanted was somebody to make an effort. And he did that for me. And then in him doing that for me, I knew in grade nine that I wanted to be a teacher because right then and there, I knew I, need, I would be able to provide that for somebody down the road. And that's been my my goal ever since I, I've been in high school. That's been my thought process. I want to make a difference in yeah. the students' lives just like this person did for me. And even if I just do it for one student mm-hmm. throughout my whole career, which I, I think it'll happen more than once, but yeah. even if it just happened once, I'd still be tremendously happy with my career if I was yeah. able to do it with one, one student. Yeah. That's amazing. And, you know, me knowing you the way that I do, I'm sure you've done that uh, already. I I feel confident in saying that. And I know you're not that person to necessarily need that either, right? Mm -hmm. To to have that, you know, sort of like, oh, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. And and this, and I still talk to this teacher to this day and he's still a teacher. And I ask for advice, for teaching advice, for marital advice yeah. for and I and it's funny he my mom works in the same school as this oh, as this person cool and 
he he'll see my mom and he'll say, "How's her How's her son doing?" Neat. Just yeah, you know, and yeah. it's kind of an ongoing joke that he has with my yeah. mom that, yeah. you know, I'm his yeah. his oldest son, his adopted son, which I think is very special. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. You know, there's in the back of my mind, and when I, when I'm hearing these things, and also keeping someone in mind as well, and it's sad that. I almost feel like this is the thing that needs to be said that there doesn't have to be weirdness that relates to any of this that relates to nefarious things. Yeah. Something that, you know, and I know that there'll be lots of educators listening to this going, you know, that's not the road I want to go down because I'm so nervous about what those outcomes might be. But I think good and uh, mindful intentions when you're looking at taking care of someone correctly, that that's not necessarily a great concern. No. You know? It, it, it really shouldn't be, I don't yeah. think. No. It, just like you said, as long as your intentions are in the right place, right? And I knew yeah. right from the get-go that his intentions were in the right place. Yeah. And my mom was very present as well and yeah. understood that. Yeah. It wasn't coming from a weird place. He yeah. was just genuinely concerned and wanted to make a difference because yeah. he was in the profession for the right reasons. Yeah. Right? For sure. And I think that lifelong part of things, that it's it's more than, to you, it's obvious that he is so much more than the subject. He's so much more than whatever it is that he had to say or coach about or otherwise, right? It's really those other moments oh yeah what he taught i couldn't he taught a civics class as well and i couldn't tell you a thing that i learned in his class yeah but he's the teacher that ha that's had the most impact on me yeah and uh, perhaps i'm further removed from my high school subjects than you are so so it's quadruple forgotten in some areas for sure so really then what it comes down to perhaps then is what what are the impacts that that you were able to make that are lasting with, with people that you work with. Yeah. And it's really about being, I don't, you can't be all things to all people. Oh no, that's impossible. And it's to not be an imposter. Right. And, and that's something we've talked about that imposter syndrome that yeah. some teachers have and work with thinking that they have to be all that and something else. Yeah. And, the real secret is just just be genuine be you exactly and yeah. there's a and there's room for every type of teacher yeah because there's different types of students that we have right yeah none of them are the same i might have an impact on 5 out of 26 yeah terry might have an impact on 10 out of 26 and stacy might only on yeah. one out of 26, but Stacy's just as good as Terry and Terry's right. just as good as Ricky because right. we're all having an impact on somebody, right? Yeah, that's exactly it. And so, you know, the subjects that we teach and what other teachers teach have great value for sure. Um, so it's not to undermine any of that, but there's just so much more that's involved because it's a real person that's sitting in front of you and we both know the amount of time, energy, and effort that it takes to get to know who's sitting in front of you and to know that each person there is deserving of 
your care in some way. Yeah. Somehow. Yeah. Right. I know that, uh, that after a few years of teaching, I became uh, more methodical about that approach. Something as simple as standing by the door and saying, and being the Walmart greeter. Yeah. Something as simple as that makes a difference. Knowing who's arriving and how they're arriving and the importance of that as well. Right. Yeah. You know, I think about, uh, Les Gorman. He was a larger in life kind of guy. You know, he's one of those folks who had an ear to ear smile. He didn't suffer fools lightly, but he was very empathetic and compassionate at the same time. You couldn't pull the wool over his eyes. We used to think he kind of looked a little bit like this musician dude named Weird Al Yankovic. So he had long curly hair, okay? (laughs) And he had an incredible voice, okay? And he was a really good guitar player. So if he saw quiet moments in the class or if it seemed to be a good fit, he'd play music in the class. Uh, But he also was so interested in personal development and looking at how to foster leadership in students. He was very, very mindful about the approach that he used. And he also knew that some folk needed perhaps a little bit more work than others and to get them and bring them in. And I think I was probably that person a little bit more. He identified some good positive parts, probably heard a lot of schmack talk about me and decided not to pay attention to that and invest in the time in me to allow me to not only feel good about me, but how to bring all those great skills that I have and bring them forward, right? And uh, so I'm eternally grateful for him and and it's well beyond taking me on canoe trips it's well beyond him bringing me to leadership camps and then helping him to facilitate some of those because I was in high school for a very long time because I was short so many credits and I had failed so many classes Ricky I don't even know if it's I failed a year and a half in a row wow right yeah I was good at it (laughs) (laughs) You mastered it. I mastered it. (laughs) I knew where to go and how to do it and who to hang out with and all of that. And he picked up on that stuff. He kind of knew. And he knew that perhaps high school and me not seeing a lot of meaning in it, he made it a point to show the finer points about what that place could do for me. Do you still, is he still alive? He is. This teacher? Yeah, and I spoke when, to him not long ago. Okay. And uh, uh, and it was also to give him some props, and he's actually in the, the book that we, that Jill and I wrote called The Insightful Journey, and some of his teachings about, you know, how you look at how wow. you think, feel, and do in life. And that simple teaching was really profound for me at that time, and I can still use some of that with students now and looking at that self-concept. And the way he kind of looked at it was interesting that on the points of the triangle was a, uh, a think, feel, and a do. And you required to do those things and doing them one at a time. And you draw a circle around the triangle and you can actually get it spinning. So your thinking leads to the, the, the feelings that you have. And then you can work into mindfully doing the things that you've thought of. Wow. And and work through. So he was able to teach that in really uh, nice ways, measurable ways. And uh, yes, yeah, so that's less. And so he was one of those cool teachers that just 
knew that that was such a pivotal fe- like what was that we got to say the name of uh if if you don't mind would you mind what's no what i don't mind so this teacher's name was pat lalonde okay cool yeah, right patrick on. lalonde yeah so patrick lalonde very similarly then was able to identify perhaps the most important things that were needed at that time for that person to be able to have them come along in their own yeah. way yeah Right. Now, would you know any other students that were impacted as much as... Long list. Long list. That's long, amazing. long, long list. And yeah. you know what? Same with, with mine. Yeah. Same with Pat. I yeah. can think of a long list yeah. of students that have been impacted by them. Yeah. And, I, and, and it's by... I don't think everyone loved Les. I don't think everyone thought he was nope. the best. But he was Les. He was not all to, all things to all people. No, nope. he, he was in his wheelhouse, and you know what? That's the way to do it. And I know it sounds a little bit cliche to say, but I think it really works. Is you know what they say: if your glass is half full or half empty, oh, you know, you're more positive thinking if you see it is half full yeah. instead of half empty. Well, forget that. That sucker should be full. Yeah, <laughs> and then from that, it spills out to the sharing. <laughs> so less new, perhaps Pat did too. Yeah that you need to spill out. So you got to make sure that you can fill your cup up so you can be yeah. even better at the things that you do. It's so true. Yeah. So becoming a positive leader often involves personal growth and self-awareness. What were some pivotal moments or realizations that led you to prioritize happiness and positivity in your leadership style? Because it sounds like the place from which you, your foundations are from involved a, a little bit of seeking and some soul searching that was a part of that, right? And coming to that understanding of maybe that there was a gap or maybe it was to realize there never was that gap or, you know, whatever yeah. that might be. But what were some of those pivotal moments, yeah. realizations that led you to, to make being happy and positive in your leadership style because Ricky, that's you, man. Yeah. You light people up. It's so incredible. I appreciate that. It's so it's so incredible to me to see you at no idea that I could be even around, I could be somewhere else, but seeing how you leave people, because I call that the trace smile. Because when you no longer see them, they're still smiling. That's really cool. <laughs> That is, and yeah, not that's enough, awesome and, to hear. I've, there's not too many people that have told me that before either. That, yeah. That's very special. I appreciate that. Yeah. And uh, it's it's really nice to share that with you because it's it's neat to be holding. It's neat to to see that, you know, because and, it, 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 even though that interaction had nothing to do with me, it did because yeah. I was able to witness that. Yeah. So I thank you for just being who you are as a person, man. <laughs> And uh, so, so how you prioritize happiness and positivity in your leadership style, where's that coming from? I, I honestly feel like that I was born with it, but that had to be nourished. Because I think there's a lot of people that are born with it, but if you don't have the right parents, if you don't have the right environment mm -hmm. that, you know, reinforces the fact that what you're doing is great, I don't think you're going to keep being that positive self. Right. And... Having my mom in my life, I was always kind of a positive little guy. My, I've got two older brothers. I've got one that's very quiet. Then there's the, the one that's in the middle. He's very emotional, very up, very down. And then there's me. I'm usually up. 
and I was always up that way, I think probably from seeing my mom. Because I can't remember a time where my mom seemed like she wasn't into being a mom. And now being a father, I know how difficult it is when my wife leaves right. me alone with yeah. one kid. Right. Yet alone. She was alone with three Others, boys. Yeah. So yeah. To, to see that every day, she found a way. Now, I don't know what she did once we were in our bedrooms right. in bed. Yeah. And, you know, she never talked about this stuff. Nowadays, we talk about it. And yeah. there were some times where she was crying and she yeah. was sad and needed support from her mom. Yeah. But... I didn't see those things. All I saw right. was her sadness, her angerness, her ang angriness. 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 I'm going to go with that one. Okay, I'm French, so you got to <laughs> cut me some slack. <laughs> so that she never let that filter into our lives. And that's really what... That's amazing. That's what I think that stems from. Yeah. And it's funny because she'd always say that to my brother that's emotional. Yeah. She'd be like... like it's awesome when you're high because you, you know, you're glowing. The good's good. And the good's good. But yeah. when you're down, you just, you're like a dark cloud and you just take energy from everybody. Like we yeah. need to figure out how to mm -hmm. get that. And I just remember her having those conversations with my brother and yeah. just thinking like, why can't he just be positive like me? Right. Like life is good. Yeah. You know, but like I said, I think I had a, an environment that nourished that. Yes. And if I didn't have that, I probably would have ended up not being the positive guy and be, yeah. because that would have just been kept getting pushed down, right? Yeah. yeah. Because there's times where my positivity can be a little annoying. Right. Where I try to always spin things to the bright to the brighter side because that's just the way that I am, but yeah. for some people sometimes they just need to be feeling crappy in that moment for that day or for that couple days and to just get through, through it just to work through it yeah. i'm not like that so yeah. if for example my wife and i she's having a, a rough few days i'm just trying to spin things positively and then that can get irritating yeah for her right so for sure understandable and those are things that i hear that within my own life too you know what i mean <laughs> yeah yeah and um yeah, you're right, because it's, you know, people need to process it in the ways in which they need to do that. But yeah. It's so interesting, though, because what I'm hearing is um, resiliency and being able to adapt to those things, too, you know. So as you were growing up and working away in your teenage years, your high school years as well, I'm sure there were challenges. No doubt there were challenges in your high school years. Oh, right? big time, yeah. There's definitely challenges, and there's... There's times where I I needed a, a father figure in yeah. my life, and I just didn't have that. So yeah. I had to look to other people mm -hmm. to get that. I, did, I didn't necessarily always look to the right people to get that, right? Yeah. And it, it brought a lot of anger at times for me too because yes. I'd look at my friend's dads, and I would think that's not the relationship I want with my... That's not what I would have wanted with my dad. Right. My dad's not... If, because there's no comparative. There's no comparative. No. And I'd be like, that's not what I would want. And it, there was no father-son relationship that I saw in my life yeah. that I thought to myself, I'm jealous of that. Mm -hmm. And that angered me a little bit because I, it, am I just feeling that because I've never had a father? Right. And my oldest brother, we have a different father as well. And his father's an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. So I grew up with the impact that that has on a child. That aggravated me too. Mm -hmm. And it just angered me and angered me. And then eventually, it, 
and it, again, it's talking with my mom and my mom is just such a tremendous person and she's so mm. important in my life and talking through that yeah. with my mom, she essentially told me to spin that and motivate yourself. And that motivates me to be the best dad that I can be. And that if there's one job that I love doing in my life, it's that one. Yeah. It's being a father. And I think it just stems from that. Yeah, that's neat. And so you're fostering and cultivating your empathy and your caring and your compassion with such an important role model with your mom and other people that you've had in your life that you know that, you know, even that through that, it takes taking a deep breath and knowing that this is a moment or yeah. this is just a time and it too shall pass. Yeah. You know, maybe there's even another way of looking at things too. Seems really hard right now. Yeah. And for you, it sounds, you know, almost DNA in you. In yeah, a way it was. Too, it was. Right? In and many respects. But, yeah. but at the same time, you've cultivated that because you've self-talked your way through yeah. that too. And also, how interesting is it, I think, that... And I, and I don't think it's happenstance that you were able to almost dial up the things that you needed to be able to bring in yeah. the things that would help you along the way. Yeah, I'm definitely fortunate to be pretty self-aware as well of what, I, what works for me and what doesn't work for me. So I definitely seeked out the things yeah. that I needed mm-hmm. in order to get to that point, right? Yeah. But, yeah. and... Even in university, it, as I think as I got older, I started to realize what I was missing. As a kid, I never understood. It wasn't there because I wasn't thinking of, I wasn't thinking through it, I would say through a an adult's lens, right? It was yeah. just a kid's lens. And then as yes. I got it, to be a teenager, it, you know, started thinking, well, that, that would have been nice if he was there. That would have been nice. Right. And you were the for, oldest? I'm two? the youngest. Oh, excuse me, the, you were yeah, the youngest. Yeah, I'm the right. youngest. Right. Yeah. But, and my brothers didn't really provide my, so no, there's That's there's what a I was thinking year, of. It's like, I was just curious about yeah. where the maturing So my oldest brother, it's five year, it's a five year difference. Gotcha. So it, it wasn't no, no, really that's, there. That's no, big difference. Uh, the five years is quite a bit. Yeah. It's like, there's no way that he was going to be that father figure for me. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But yeah, as I, prog- as I progressed in my life, I just started to understand what he had missed. So then that sadness started to kick in a little bit. Mm-hmm. But then to me, I can't, I can't just sit there and be sad. I spun that and said, well, I should be happy that I get to be here. Yes. Right. And that's always the way that I tried to just be fortunate of yeah. what I have. Yeah. You can't just dwell on the things that you no. don't have. No. And I think uh, as people mature, um, hopefully that lesson people can arrive at those lessons yeah. that there really can be a gift in all things. Yeah. Even in the really tough ones, yeah. the really sad ones too. Yeah. That when we work those, when we work through those things, that there can be a gift, not just for you, but for other people too. Yes. Always. You know, I'm curious about this too. And based on the things that you've learned and, and also looking at your, your past and the influences that you've had in your life and I've also had in my life as it relates to teachers and otherwise is I'm curious if there's like a universal definition of a good teacher then or does it vary from one context or culture to another? Yeah, I would even go further that and say there's, there's no universal de- definition because my definition is probably different than yours right. and it would be different than... I wonder. I, I think w- everyone... I wonder. 
I think everyone has a, and it's not just based on culture. I think it's individually. Yeah. Well, the universal part of that might be the common parts of that in a way, because I'm going to take a really strong, not not a guess. I'm I'm, I'm going to say that perhaps we have a lot in common in this area in many respects, you know, about, well, I feel actually pretty strong about it in a way too. You yeah. know, I'm almost out of my seat excited. I, you, you can, I, I know Ricky can see right now. He's actually kind of laughing at me in the process of that. <laughs> and that's, I guess, the disadvantage of not seeing uh, it on video. But it, it's that universal part to me, I think at least, is um, you have to have a passion. And that's not something you can necessarily learn. So yeah. I wonder if that could be a universal part of a good teacher then. I'm sure you could gain in passion, you can build in passion, but you got to really... There needs to be... There's got to be something there. There needs to be a fire pit. If there's no fire pit, you're in trouble. Yeah. You know, there's got to be something there to work with. Right. And so then that's not from one context or a culture to another then. No, that would apply. So then that that would be one for sure that there's got to be... right. And with that passion comes, I think, all these different other qualities right. that make a universally good teacher. Maybe. Yeah, but you're right. The exacting part of what that would be would be different because we all yeah. have our own strengths and weaknesses, so on and so forth, right? Yeah. But I'm curious if we can identify a few things that would allow for that to work its way through. So if you, if we were going to look at that the tree of that tree of yeah (laughs) of of good teaching practice right (laughs) and uh what and and it's to bear good fruit what 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 do you think the what would be a couple ones for you that would be for me and this is this is my most important one after having that passion is just having a good sense of humor that's gotten me through yeah everything yeah everything in life sometimes a a student can say something extremely disrespectful yeah but it might be a little bit funny (laughs) yeah right yeah and depending on the situation depending on the class right having a little chuckle is okay yeah yeah i know and not and not getting uh not getting upset not getting offended no no you might have crossed the line. You're towing the line, but but you can, we can be an adult. Yes, and they can be you know their age, and I think we can factor in a few things and exactly not have crazy emotional resonance about perhaps being dissed quite well. Yeah, I I don't know. You know what I mean? Or kind of like you know, there's a couple yeah. times like you. I'm sure I you've heard something went, oh, that was actually. <laughs> pretty pretty interesting oh yeah right that yeah. was actually well put together oh yeah or sometimes <laughs> not... a, a comeback and you're like oh, yeah you just got me you got me yeah. yeah and you know i can think of the first time i ever taught in my first placement yeah in a grade seven health class that was my first placement assignment and i start my lesson and i'm walking around this is probably the third day that i'm in the classroom because you observe for the first two days I'm walking around and I'm, I'm teaching my health class and the students are just giggling and giggling. I'm like, I'm not saying anything funny here. (laughs) So then eventually I stop and I'm like, what's so funny? And they're just all giggling and giggling and giggling. And I'm like, what is it? So I just single out one, one student. I'm like, you got to tell me what's going on. And then 
your flies undone. <laughs> That's all it was. Yeah. Now, what did I, the way that I reacted to that, I could have been embarrassed. Instead yeah. of being embarrassed, I just said, guys, you, you should have told me that right away. Yeah. What took I'm not so going to take offense to that. <laughs> yeah. You just let me walk around and teach for 15 minutes with my fly done. What's going on? And that, now they're, they're laughing, right? Yeah. And that just made me human to them. That's right. Yeah. But I could have easily just gotten yeah. beat red and just zip, sure. my, zip my fly up and just pretend sure. like nothing happened, right? Absolutely, for sure. Yeah, and you can you almost disarm almost anything with humor, <laughs> you know? And I learned, like you, I learned that early on too. So I was on practice teaching. I was in a pretty tough neighborhood in a uh, just outside of Ottawa. And one guy, I, I don't want to say a fight, but one guy grabbed another student by the neck and was aggressively choking this person. And I don't know what came of me, but I diffused that situation by saying, Hey buddy, listen, I just think that's a super inappropriate way of hugging someone. And it's just that quick moment where he's like, huh? What? Just to recalibrate. Yeah. Well, yeah, he just was seeing, to, he, he was was just seeing red, red, right? Yeah. And it was, was just seeing... to recalibrate. Yeah. Hug what? Teacher's here. I'm choking yeah. someone. And next thing you know, things can work their way out, right? Yeah. Just breaking that tension. Right. right. Maybe, uh, maybe it wasn't necessarily humor, but at least I could see it in the situation a bit. And yeah. I, don't, I don't think I've told you this story, but one of my first years teaching, I had a student show up. And he was infamous for being problematic and physical altercations and, 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 and he was testing me on the first day. And when he showed up, I'm being the Walmart reader, right? Saying, Hey, just seen my, you know, first day and knowing this living legend is walking towards me. He hauls off and punches the wall right in front of me. Like, whoop-bam! I'm like, what the heck is going on here? And my brain is just going everywhere in thought. I'm like, I need a moment here. Like, I just, like, I just need a moment. And his knuckle exploded, too, when he smashed the, the concrete. <laughs> right? like, like, right in front of me. It's like, huh. And it was like, and it wasn't like, I didn't have a moment of fear. Perhaps I should have, right? The fight or flight. I, I didn't have that. I just went... Go get some ice. You really cut your knuckles, and he he wasn't again. He wasn't ready for that. He, yeah. he, I just punched the wall aggressively in front of this teacher, and all he wants me to do is to go get ice from my knuckles. And sure enough, he went down to the office. They asked the right question: Was why are you down here? Where he was the type of kid who said what he did. And he said that the teacher said I should come down and get some ice and go back to class. And that's how we met. And he was never a problem the day after. <laughs> but what the heck? Yeah. Like, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it was almost a head level situ- too. You could have easily went, you know, started yelling at him. That would be For a sure. lot of people's natural reaction, right? Yeah. To just start yelling at him or to flight. <laughs> right. And it was just to say... Whoa, buddy. I think you should just go grab some ice for yeah. that. You know what I mean? Head down to the office, yeah. get some ice for that. Come on back. And by the time you came back, I had the game plan. I just, I just needed a moment. I yeah. just, you know what I mean? Yeah. 
and his life is so troubled and it's so difficult and yeah. that weird way of testing out that flexing oh, yeah. whatever you want to call it we've seen that in so many different forms over the years yeah. but it's just it's just that I'm not going to judge him on that mistake or the error that he made no because right? we all make them right and his was perhaps a little more out there yeah but that's what it was it was it's and a lapse for, of judgment yeah and you can't forget at the end of the day that he's a kid yeah yeah i think that's so important not yeah. forgetting that they're kids and you yeah. have no idea where they're coming from yeah grade nine and and he's got hopefully good time in his hands work his way through make it engaging enough for him to at least want to get through my course yeah. maybe have him feel good enough that he can continue on yeah knowing that someone just didn't freak out on him like he may get at home or otherwise I, I don't know yeah but I'm going to surmise that that might be the case mm -hmm. and just be a moment of like, okay, you know? And I think that also relates to perhaps some of those other key, key things too, or those key qualities that I, I think a universal part of a good teacher might be as well is the, the patience. Cause oh my goodness. Right. Just like in that, that instance or otherwise patience is everything. Oh yeah, definitely. And you can think, I, I'm sure teachers that are listening to this can think, as soon as you said patience, they thought of a kid or of a student right away right. where they had to take a few deep breaths. Yeah. Just. Right. Everyone's got their whatever, own yeah. abilities. Yeah. They've got exactly. they're at their own levels of whatever that is. Yeah. And patience is such a, is so hard because I think if you're having a bad day, if you haven't, you know, I've, I've got a newborn at home. Maybe I didn't get sleep. So my patience isn't there as much. Mm. Right. So I think that fluctuates sure. and it's so hard for teachers to really maintain that level of patience. And I, I'm a fresh teacher in the industry. I imagine that it's even tougher to maintain as you get further and further in your career, right? right. That patience, but it's something that I yeah. hope to never lose. And I think I have tons of patience and so do you. Yeah. And so I haven't, but I think that comes through being mindful, just like you said, what are the circumstances that I'm living in? So maybe I need to check myself at the door yeah. before I come in, before you come in and go, this is where I'm at. Sometimes it may need to be said because maybe you went a little too far, but yeah. you know, I'm sure like me, you would be, Hey, sorry about that. Like, I, yeah. I don't think I, I needed to to, no. to be like that or to say that no. that's not it's not necessary you know i need to have yeah. more you know i there, need to i need to be better than that yeah or whatever you want to say there, but there's it's just, been just there's been that. times where i've had a discussion with my class i'm showing up on that day and i'm having a terrible day didn't sleep all night yeah and i get there five minutes in the class they're not paying attention they're not listening they're not listening so then i just yelled hey then they all stopped looked just at hey, me though. just hey I said, just a heads up, I'm having a bad day today and I'm my patience yeah. level is not as high as usual. Yeah. So could you please just be quiet? But it's and not just about listen them. Because the, it's not about them. Yeah. You're telling them it's about you. Yeah. You're just telling them you're human. Yeah, exactly. Right? And, and you're looking for help. And they're and they just looked at what? me like they just asked me for help. Oh, he asked me for help. Done. Right? Easy. And then and then they do it. Yeah. Right? Because they want to help. Yeah. Because they know you're human. Exactly. And just doing that little thing there, admitting I'm having a bad day, just like sometimes you have a bad day. 
Now, now if I want them to accept my bad day, I also need to be willing to accept their bad days as well. That's right. Right? I think there's a lot of teachers out there that, that forget mm. that piece easily. And I think, and that's exactly what I was just thinking that that is so easily forgotten. You know, I have walked down a hallway and had another teacher say to me, and I know it was just that moment of frustration and I got to keep my fingers crossed that that's not really how they feel or felt when they said this, you know, Oh, I, I hate students. And that moment, that's like, did you just say that? You know what I mean? So I have to find some patience and, you know, I don't want to say yeah. forgiveness for that. Yeah. But that's when you're not being mindful, I think about where you're at within your own life. Yeah. You know? And uh, and it's and it's tough to handle a situation like that. That's a coworker. And in our profession, you have to be so careful in the yeah. way that you interact with yeah. coworkers. That's so true. And, uh, I have really gotten better at that one because I've, to the best of my understanding, shared things that I felt were hopeful and someone understanding something. Yeah. You know, I'm kind of speaking in code a little bit about that, (laughs) (laughs) but, but just be like, you know, if you, if you're saying that I I keep smashing my head against a wall, I can't get through and it's, but it's like, yes, but, you're you're a father of three kids you're a husband right and there's all these other things too it's like well well, dial those things back and if that's a repetitive story yeah if that's something that's being outwardly messaged constantly right yeah it's hard to not want to say something about make sure your priorities are okay yeah make sure you're taking care of those things right yeah and but it's sensitive. You're and like you said, it's hard that way. Or when someone said that to me, the only thing I I remember saying was, "Yikes, really? Yeah, I'm not really. I'm not then, sure how I would react then, to a comment I, I, like it that. It was, it was yikes, really. And I trust your day will get better, <laughs> right? But yeah. the, the, and things like that though, it's just it's tough. And I think patience is so important for that because yeah. you know and. I think we could say this lots of different ways, but you have to be patient with yourself first. Yeah. You have to give yourself what you need. Yeah, exactly. And that comes through some, some mindfulness and yeah. some self-awareness. And, and it, it always right? goes back to that cup that you, you yeah. talked about earlier, right? Yeah. Just filling your cup. Make sure your cup is full. Yeah. And then you can be an awful lot better at giving. Yeah. Right? I, uh, I have a couple others that I think are really important too. I love... A sense of humor is really high up on my list is as well i also think that uh communication skills is huge and i think that's to to be clear about things and to to be effective about what you're doing yeah words are like stones yeah that get dropped into a pond and they just sink and they're heavy and they sit yeah i would i would add the body language piece to communication as well because i think the way that we good point the students portray us makes it physically you know the way that we're you know, if you have your arms crossed or if you're a big smile on your yeah. face or you, is your chest puffed, is your yeah. back, you know, yeah. curved? Are you always sitting in your chair, not moving around? Like, mm-hmm. I think that body language, I think mm-hmm. that's a big piece of it too. Yeah. Not just the words, because you're right, right. You have to be effective in the way that you communicate, yeah. but there's a ton of kids, I think, that are impacted 
outside of just the words. I agree. And I think about someone saying words that are tough or talking about tough things with their arms crossed and even their legs one over the other, like a super big self hug. Yeah. In a way, right? Yeah. Where you're embracing or protecting those things too. Yeah. Or not being open to those things as well. So that communication part about being aware of the things that we're saying and doing our best. Yeah. A communication activity that I do with uh, Thrive and uh, with students, adults and many stripes is to, well, this is how it goes. It's a piece of paper and I, I ask folk to disperse themselves around the room and I give instructions. And the instructions are not great though. They're like, I know they're not great and that's a part of the activity. So take that piece of paper fold it in half, rip a piece out somewhere around the center, fold the piece of paper again, you know, so on and so forth, make some tears here, make some tears there, fold it over two more times. So no one can see me doing it. I'm not being clear about what I'm asking physically. No one's asking questions. No one feels comfortable engaging in the activity. Okay. Long story short, folks come back into the circle and everyone opens up that piece of paper. Not one looks the same. And the one that I have is a smiley face. (laughs) 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 The people. So, uh, and so it's kind of the metaphor is, is where's the happy? Yeah. So here I am doing things and thinking that I'm, you know, like, yeah, you know, so it's the importance of giving good directions and being, mindful about those directions and being physically present in those directions as well and getting your best foot forward to get a message across in ways that are best understood. And I think you got to be willing to self-reflect a little bit, right? right. And be willing to hear the criticism of the students. Because that's one thing that I... Did you guys understand what I just said? Yeah. How was this lesson? Yeah. What did you guys get out of this? Oh, that wasn't my intention. So... Obviously, I did something wrong. What what yeah. could I have done better? Mm-hmm. Well, sir or monsieur, you could have done this and this and that. Right. Those are and the brave ones that'll say something, though, right? Yeah. I uh, I got one for you. Maybe maybe you've heard this one before, and perhaps other people at home uh, who are uh, teachers, leaders, educators, so on, uh, facilitators have done this. But you can uh, you can actually get people to say, close your eyes, please. And people get used to that, or they do in my class as an example, is um, ask your question. What is your understanding of something? And five is the highest understanding. The fist is lowest. I just ask that we don't know each other well, that they would withhold the middle finger for the number one. (laughs) Right? And everything else, we're going to work out just fine on things. And it's incredible how well it works because then you can get a real answer from folk. Yeah. who are more willing to share because they're not being uh, judged by anyone else in the room. Yeah, that's a great way of doing it. And so, you know, eyes closed, ask your question, then they'll rate it, and then you know to find them later and say, hey, okay, let's spend a little bit more time on that. Yeah. And then you can do that in uh, in ways that are a little bit more subtle so they don't feel centered out yeah. on those things too. Yeah, because so. there's definitely a ton, there's a lot of students that never want to be centered in front of everybody right yeah because i can't remember who the theorist was but he had an analogy that was 
what are people's willingness to share? And he looked at it from a poker chip perspective or playing a game of poker that everyone has a different stack of chips that they have and the way in which you play will depend on the size of stack that you have. So if your stack, your emotional resonance yeah. or your shyness or your introvertedness, perhaps as an example, and, I, and I'm only using this as just an example, is that uh, you're not as willing to play a short stack, but someone with a larger stack is much more willing. So that extroverted person oh, or someone great. who has less cares necessarily is more willing to gamble yeah. on things wow. and put that out there as opposed to the person that's holding on tighter to their short stack. That's amazing. I've never yeah. heard of that before. Yeah. And so that resonated with me and I'm sorry for not remembering to give credence to who that was, but it'll come later. It will. Yeah. And uh, so, so it's a nice way of looking at that. So we all have those different, different things that are within us about how we go about the things that we do. Yeah. So if we can do things that can include as many people as possible, like a simple, idea of closing your eyes and just yeah. reading that just you can go about that but you're so right though that physical part to communication yeah is really important you know when i cross my arms sometimes i catch myself i'm like dude yeah i do the same thing why, yeah why? but i i'm like you it's like why are my arms crossed right yeah. now what am i what am i what, yeah. am I, what am i holding on to maybe yeah. i should drop my shoulders a little bit i think yeah. i'm holding on a little tight right now yeah right why is that you yeah. know what i mean Oh, right. Okay. It could yeah. be because of this, this, Cause this. I do, yeah, because I do the same thing. Always kind of thinking about... Like, and we all have our little th little subtle things that we do like that, right? Yeah, that's right. For and sure. And I really think that with your... In my experience, th your body language should almost come first. Right. Because then it opens, it opens everything up, I think. Yeah. But... Uh, oh, I'd agree. And yeah. perhaps a part of that, and I think we've been talking about it already is the importance of um, how you manage your room. Yeah. Right? That classroom management. Yeah. That's an epically important skill. Yeah. You know? And it's not, there's no perfect equation. You know, I gave a, we, I was giving a French seminar a couple weeks ago with another teacher and they asked us, how do you set up your classroom? Mm -hmm. I set up my classroom the way I set up my classroom on that specific day i'm i'm always ready to move things around yeah. so it's hard, and i go based off of my students needs what i'm teaching right so to there's no perfect formula and we were trying to you know teach that to the other teachers that were at this seminar that there's right. no perfect way to set up your classroom yeah you're right because it might work and there, we might give you that perfect recipe that you think and it'll work for two years and then all sure. of a sudden you get a class sure. that yeah doesn't work anymore right i mean some people randomize or even just do the alphabet or you let people sit where you want or yeah. there's so many different things about yeah. those right but you can't get your first day back right no so you know you can get all these awesome laid out yeah. plans these uber plans and yeah. yeah i got it all set up and i got you know i'm gonna have this set up and i'm gonna have this yeah you know this square that my corners set up for different activities yeah just all these awesome things but what it really comes down to is how are you able to start it off and to do it well enough that kids okay kids as adults can be a little bit judgy yeah 
I mean, even, oh. I'm sure even as I'm talking, you're thinking about some things about the things that I've said or so on. I'm not saying you're judging me, but yeah. but you are processing the things oh, that definitely. I'm saying and you're, and you're thinking about yeah. those things, right? Of and, course. And, uh, you know, to my best of understanding when I was younger, perhaps yeah. I wasn't as fluid in my thoughts or not as thoughtful in my thoughts. Yeah. And maybe I would just stop short in that thought. And yeah. so I know that when I'm standing in a front, and this is actually for any group of people I'm in front of. This could be hundreds of people that I'm talking to, or it could be a small room of seven. And those first few moments are interesting. Yeah. You can't get those back. No. You know what I mean? And I'm I'm sure they're always different. It's never been the same. Yeah. Right? The and feeling energy, is always a little different. The energy is always a it little is. different. It is. I think the what I'm trying to convey doesn't change, though. What I'm no. looking at letting students know about is yeah. that you, and perhaps we're similar, I don't know, we're going to find out, is, and for me, it's a part of the thing that I say, what I exactly say, no chance it's the same. <laughs> but what what is what the feeling is, yeah. it's pretty darn similar. I am no better than you and you are no better than me in any way, shape or form, but you have your student thing. I have my teacher thing and we've got to find good synergy. We've got to grow the respect that we have for each other and we need to find a good place for us to exist. Yeah. Right. But we're, I'm no better than you. No, exactly. And that's having them feel like they're level with you, I Mm -hmm. think is so important. Because they're just doing what they know at that time within their own life, right? Exactly. And the point of us talking and sharing right now is we come, you know, I'm much older than you. Yeah. But our similarities are striking. Yeah. So why should that be different then that when we look at who's in front of us is finding some common ground about who we we have, we want good things. Yeah. And as a young person, and I... I still remember, and I still feel this sometimes to this day, you just, you want to be validated. Your opinion, you want to be validated as a kid. You just want adults to validate you. Like just because you're 35 years old and I'm 14 doesn't mean that what I'm saying is irrelevant. That's right. I might have some good ideas. Yeah. And just respect what I'm trying to say. That's right. and bring across and, and, and give right. value to what I'm yeah. saying. So it's setting up that set of circumstances for positive things to exist, right? Yeah. Where we can all cohabitate yeah. for that that time each day. Yeah. You know, whatever that time is. But during that time period, we're going to find strong common ground for good things to happen. Yeah. Right? And so... Rules have their place with some. For me, I prefer to look at them as expectations. Yeah. What are my expectations? What are your expectations? And how can we reach desired outcomes together? Yeah. Right. It's kind of like uh, it's kind of like a roller coaster in a way, right? You can't have everyone all over a friggin' no. roller coaster. No. Everyone's got to be seated together. Yeah. And you're up high together. Yeah. Maybe that's just working hard together. Yeah. And Everyone's then, and then there's hard. these two guys that want to be right at the front. Right. That, which is better than them <laughs> being on a separate yeah. part coming towards you right yeah. on your coaster, right? <laughs> For this epic like collision that could happen. Yeah. That we we see and. <laughs> that we know yeah. that these things do happen, right? But yeah. anyways, where you're, you're up working hard together and when you're going down, you're 
at the same level again. Yeah. Maybe finding some quiet times doing some other things. Yeah. But you're, you're together, right? So it's like, how do you find that cohesion, right? And through that, so many great things can happen. Right? And I think with your classroom management, it's not being so rigid because there's always exceptions. Those rules that, that, right? that you have to, oh, that's my rule. And if there's no bending to that rule yeah. or if there's no grade of that rule, yeah, it gets tough. It is tough. And I'm, I'm learning that as a parent, right? Yeah. With the rules. That in some situations, it's not so black and white, right? That's right. And I'm sure even being a coach, you know, there's situations that you run in that you have an A student on your team who misses a class. Well, I'm probably going to be harder on him than the student that's always failing that yeah. missed a class because his situation's different, right? Yeah. So. It's tough. It is tough. Yeah. Yeah. But ultimately, if we, you know, and classroom management and providing the right atmosphere for good things to happen and having a respectful environment and doing, everyone should be doing their best to create a safe place for people yeah. to be able to, to share and, not feel ridiculed based on their opinions. Yeah. But I think the thing that might be missed by some educators is they don't come built with that. It's not something that they already have built in within themselves or have had taught so often that when they arrive at your room, they should, should know. Yeah. That's just not true. Mm -hmm. They don't have that built in. No. It's like asking a student, uh, having a public speaking assignment. And just not setting up the correct circumstance for yeah. them to find the success that they need yeah. at the front of the room. Yeah. And how terrifying that can be. Yeah. Right? For just about anyone. Of course. Right. It's great being able to have discussions with students almost where they're formulating what success looks like in the room. It's almost like setting up a huge group or a contract in a way where students give inputs to what what should take place in the room that's yeah. positive. And through the act of sharing and providing their input, not only do they feel good themselves, perhaps even their self-esteem, self-confidence in sharing that, yeah. but also knowing that they're being a part of the necessary building blocks for finding that success. Yeah. And asking the advice, not the input of students is so important. And I can remember... One of my first years of teaching, I had this this student in my phys ed class, and I was and that was at uh, the first school that I taught at, and they said this kid can't sit still. That's what they said. You're gonna despise him in a phys ed class because sometimes in a phys ed class you need to sit there take and listen, yeah, and take some instruction because if you're not, there's gonna be all yeah. sorts of safety issues, right? So. I show up on the first day and I go up to this kid and I, so I've heard that you love just, you're always walking around and you can't sit still. So when I'm giving instruction or I'm teaching something, how can I set you up for success? Well, sir, I just can't sit down. The phys ed teachers make us sit down in a circle and I just can't sit down. I can't sit still. Mm -hmm. So can I just walk behind everybody so I'm not a distraction for anybody? Sure, that doesn't bother me. Yeah. 
and you're not in front where, you know, other students might look Getting at you, you're way. behind everybody. Yeah. Tried that out. Never had any issues with it, with this and other student. students get used to it. And other and students get used to it. And they also know that's probably what's best for them yeah. too. Is if because they that know if he's does, sitting with right, them, what's going to happen? Yeah. Then it's a, taking too long to get into the good stuff yeah, that's exactly. to that phys ed class. So everyone in that class just wants him to just be quiet, listen yeah. to the instruction so we can right. get on and play, right? But if I just went off of my gut feeling i probably wouldn't have let him just walk around like that because i've never that's the only student that i've ever had that's done something like this yeah. and it was just his you want to try that out sure we'll try it out yeah now it could have not worked he could right. have been the class clown and tried to make everybody laugh but that's not the way it went yeah. because i think i valued his sure. input yeah but he's also measuring himself that way yeah right he's he's self-checking yeah and that was a way for him to try something out yeah. I'm not sure he knew that that necessarily was going to work for him. That's right. But that's all he needed. He just couldn't sit still. Poor guy. <laughs> yeah, right? I can't imagine what he was like in a classroom. But... Yeah, true, true. <laughs> exactly. But even then, in a situation like that, allowing maybe him to just walk in the back sure. behind everybody, something yeah. like that, right? Just being yeah. able to adjust, which I think is one of the big keys too. Just being able, flexibility, right? Yeah. yeah adapt be flexible yeah adjust what you need knowing that things don't have to be concrete students are not dumb they know what's going on they see what's around and they also too on a whole want good things and also they would like to th see things go well you know, there could be that class where they'd like it's too far gone where they're actually pushing it to see how hilariously bad it can go yeah but that's truly the rare exception. Yeah. Right? That's so chaotic. Oh, yeah. And chaos is just not a good place for anyone. No. Certainly not in, in any place of learning. It's not. No. Right? So, yeah. Being like being flexible, you're right. And being adaptable. And, and being able to work with that. And, and again, finding those things. And getting to know. It's all, it's all about relationships. And getting to know your students. Yeah. And knowing what works. And knowing what's best. Yeah. Finding a respectful place for everyone to exist in too. Yeah. You know? And in teaching that, I think you're setting up your students for success down the road because those are the relationships they're going to have to build as they become adults. Right. We all have to do it as adults. Right. There's people that you work with that you don't necessarily like. Or get along with. Or get or along with. Sure. I can't tell. But and we're, I'm, in, we're in a profession. But we're in a profession and you just have to do it. Yeah. And, you know, that's what we're trying to teach the, to these yeah. students. That's right. That's right. And we can't always expect everyone to work as hard as us and no. other teachers included or students. Yeah. Not everyone has that willingness no. to be able to make those things work. No. And it's okay. They, no, that's right. If they don't feel that way or if right. they don't have that drive, that's okay. I'm not here to judge you for that. It comes back to us. How do we fill the cup of our own needs and yeah. being able to be able to share as best as possible? Exactly. That's the expression that, that we love in, uh, and thriving in our practices uh, change the way you look at things. The things I look at change. I am in control of those things. I can be the person who's able to look at those things and navigate those things. And yeah. it doesn't have to be someone else's responsibility. I can take care of myself that way. And being able to set up a good set of circumstances for positive things to happen. Yeah. You know, to be in the driver's seat of that. And I think that's so easily forgotten. But I guess getting to that point too and working on those things. And I know that's something that you you actively 
look at and I continue to look at as well is the reflective part of our profession and the importance of it too, right? Yeah, and continually just trying to find ways to provide to provide yourself with some type of feedback. Yeah. And it's it's something that I've found difficult in our profession honestly. You have to be very self-motivated in our profession, I think, because I don't know if you agree with this, but we don't get a lot of feedback. Well, it seems like there's a lot of alpha. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And the, and the a lot of folk who have their own way about those things. Yeah. And you're right. There's not a lot. You're in your own pod. You're yeah. in your and own pe- room. And people are afraid to provide feedback as well. Right. And there's not that many opportunities for feedback as well. Sure. That means, though, you may have to ask some questions or look at, hey, yeah. what do you think about the things that I have going or yeah. the things that I'm doing? And, you know, and then you did perhaps you could provide me with some input about that too. Yeah. That's not commonplace. It does happen for sure. Yeah. And I think that's something both of us do our best to look at Yeah. in our own practice, but you're right. It's tough that way. Even just sitting there and it's easy to do for me as a phys ed teacher because I'm my office looks over the gym. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I just sit there and watch other phys ed teachers and I'm, I'm not judging what they're doing, but no, so, all I'm doing is yeah. just looking at what you're doing because I might pick on something. You've right. done something that I really liked and I'm going to do right. it. And it's a system. Everyone's yeah. got their own system. Exactly. So you're looking at their system going, what, yeah. how are they managing how, exactly. those things? What are the things that they're doing in their own system? And comparing and it to my own. And then you can look at that and go, okay, yeah. those are the things that I can use or those are the things that I yeah. got to make sure that I don't do. Sometimes that teacher's done doing his lesson and then I'll go ask questions. Yeah. Hey, I noticed that you were doing this drill yeah. and you explained it this way. I usually explain it this way. Right. Why, do, why do you go that way? Yes. Well, because of this. And then it, all of a sudden my instruction has right. changed. Right. I think we both like to say that best practices are shared all the time. Oh, of they're, course. They're, but, but they're not. They're, no. No. And, and, I, and I see it um, improving. It's come a long way for sure. Yeah. We're... we're, we're um, not holding on as tight about those things and be more yeah. open to learning about yeah. other people's systems. Or yeah. And I don't know if that, I don't know if that's a generational thing, but I feel like Sometimes my, Sometimes I feel like that. Cause I, I feel like my generation, the younger teachers that are yeah. in the building, we're all yeah. pretty good at sharing things. And it's like, yeah. that's not just mine mm-hmm. by me sharing. I'm making you better. And I yeah. expect that by right. making you better down the road, you'll yeah. make me better. And it's just going to come. It's a circle, right? And it just keeps coming back. Yeah. So I, I put myself out there by sharing a lot of the things that I initiate through curriculum or otherwise, because I'm okay with just setting something up as, as an example. And I don't even want to say a bar or hedge mark or things like that, but at least it's something to work with. So it's nice when younger teachers come in and I've heard this time and time again, how thankful they are for having something to measure about what it is that they should be doing and what they can work on or perhaps where they're doing excellent at and then can offer me some help in the areas that I'm not super yeah. strong in. I, here, an example would be this. So I feel like in my area things are going really well. There's a lot of really nice sharing that's taking place, but we also know and we're what our strong suits are and what we're not great at. 
And so geographic information systems, as, an, as just an example for me, is an area that I know I'm excited to learn more about because someone I work with is so passionate about it and the importance of using that. And it's so contagious being around that with other people. Yeah. That it's, it's almost like, how can you not yeah. want to incorporate that too? How can you not want that? But it's providing that atmosphere where people feel good, not only to share, but to receive yeah. right? that give and take about those things Yeah, in working at those best practices. Everyone gets better. Yeah. And, I, and through I, that, it's better for students. And I don't know if it's necessarily, it doesn't seem for, for you and I, it doesn't seem that hard of an environment to set up. But it's not that way in schools you're right. for some reason. But I think you're on to something though, because I have seen, especially in the last five years, there's a far greater willingness to be like, you know, gulp publicly. Yeah. Oh my God. Like, yeah. Where, where do I go with this? Right. Yeah. And also you've got to learn your, what, how you go to teach. And sometimes when you start off teaching you may not be in your true area of expertise, yeah. right? Yeah. And I don't want to call it the dog's breakfast. Yeah. But, but yeah, it's... but so you're thankful you're in a job and you know, or not, yeah. but it does. Yes, it gets better. And yeah. Yes. You, you end up where you need to be. But when it starts, you could be in, I can say this personally, that it was a long time until I was specifically where, where I'm at right now. I think I taught 28 different courses in a matter of no time. Yeah. Right. That's a lot of preps. Yeah. And as a new, and a new well, teacher I mean, I was coming cool. into, you know, you're, sur- cool you're surviving stuff. I was though, right? Kinda, you are right. Yeah. So I know when someone's coming in, it's like, okay, because it's, it, again, it comes down to the things that we've been talking about is that classroom management or yeah. setting your room up for success and how do yeah. you formulate those relationships. And there's so many things to be stressed out about yeah. that if some of those things can be moderated a bit yeah. and you can, can kind of control yeah. all those outputs and inputs that are taking place and just calm all of that down yeah. a bit and just so you can just make some better relationships with people so they can feel better about the learning that they're going to do. Exactly. Right? And then you're all of a sudden your course would become bet, better so much quicker than yeah. doing it all by yourself. Right. Yeah. And that's the part though, about reflection too, though, right. Just to bring it back to that is that right. Okay. Maybe a way to look at it, at least in my brain, I think you'll see it perhaps similarly too there's your moments to require that reflection. Now you got to get good at friggin' reflecting quick. Yeah. You don't have time. It's no. kind of like telling that story earlier about buddy punching the wall in yeah. front of me. Yeah. Okay. Well, I've got to Insta. Yeah. Look at that. Right. Yeah. And go, that was, I got to reflect yeah. on that really quickly <laughs> and, and do something that sets things up. Well, yeah. Right. But I mean, perhaps not as extreme, yeah. But you have moments. It's like, do I deal with that now or do I deal with that later? Yeah. Is that something I have to publicly address yeah. or is that something that I can quietly address later? You know, what do you want to hang your hat up on? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, where, where do you want to be on that? So perhaps that reflective part is more in the here and now reflection. Yeah. As an example, right? And it's, you know, you spoke about that, as, especially as a new teacher, it's hard to to reflect because like you said you're surviving so when that for when that class is done you're thinking about okay what's my next lesson not 
what am I going to do the next time I teach this lesson? I That's think right. that reflection piece comes a little bit later. Like I feel, and this is my sixth year of teaching, I feel like I'm just starting to be able to do that yeah. because I'm always trying, I'm still building up that portfolio of things mm -hmm. or portfolio of lessons. And so I don't have that time to reflect, mm -hmm. but I think I have the, the immediate reflective piece which is so in the important. moment. So I think important. I can do that, yeah. but the, you know, a day after That's or a couple months after, yeah. I don't have that piece. Yeah. But much. I'm sure though, uh, you would, it could be something that you just didn't feel comfortable with. Maybe it was something that you overreacted on something or yeah. a student overreacted on and you'd bring that home and you'd think about that too. Yeah. You know, some folk may stew on that and yeah. may even lose sleep over that. Yeah. But, but the longer you're in a, in the profession, you realize that students tend to forgive quickly, forget even quicker. For, oh yes. Right. <laughs> yeah. But they also have the capacity to forgive too. Yeah. So that when we are in those moments that are outs, like, excuse me, we're outside of those moments and we're in to, to, to an evening or something, it's got to be kind to yourself yeah and you know and perhaps it's a little bit of advice to new teachers too is you got to be kind to yourself and know and forgive yourself if you have erred in some way yeah and to know and in an experience always will say that they'll, they'll forget or forgive and you can move on that way and not to repeat those things and and to move on yeah. you know with that and you're right that uh so that's more of that active reflection perhaps yeah but at the end of the year where you can take that time where you're not as it's stressed busy. from just trying to generate the necessary curriculum or to, yeah. to learn how to communicate about it really effectively, you can just kind of, yeah, you can give and, yourself that time to, and I find it it's important. I find it interesting when I see, and this might insult some, some teachers, but I find it interesting when a teacher has a binder that's planned out the whole semester is planned out and they just use the binder every year. Yeah. And that, that to me boggles my mind mm -hmm. that you can have a binder. It should be fluctuating. Things should yeah. be changing. It, it's yeah. never, it should never be the same thing. You shouldn't yeah. be using the same real or religion binder that you've used for 10 years and you're still using the same lessons. That doesn't make yeah. any that I know the math department sense. would argue till they're blue in the face about that, though. <laughs> of course they would. <laughs> and that's okay. I'd argue with them with a big smile on my face. <laughs> right. But being adaptable and it, circumstances change and teachable moments are so important. Being able to be flexible in that as yeah. well, right? Yeah. And there's certain skills that require... A, B, C, and D, and one's required to be executed for further learning to take place, understanding to take place. But there is something to be said about making sure, yes, you have to be organized. Yes, you have yeah. to have a game plan. Yes, you have to be organized yeah. knowing which way those things go. But things can go sideways too. Oh, right? Yeah, yeah. big time. Yeah. And I think I'm fortunate in the subjects that I teach that they're not super the the content isn't that specific right, right. i'm teaching languages 
yeah. teaching health. Those yeah. are discussions that you can have and mm-hmm. it, you can change the types of discussions that you're having. So that's, yeah. it's easy to adapt those things. Like mm-hmm. you mentioned, a math teacher, it's yeah. a little different, right. a little tougher to do that, right? Well, a science teacher, a little tougher. Maybe it just comes down to how do you make that subject come alive? Exactly. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so that can happen in any yeah. area. And someone who's passionate right. is going to be able to do that. Yeah easily right someone who's passionate in science or in math will be able to do that so easily right and i think i can remember a a science teacher that loved his he was a chemistry teacher and he just loved 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 what he did yeah i hated chemistry yeah but loved his class yeah loved his class just because he was so passionate about it yeah and that's something that you felt i always felt when I was in school, that I could feel that energy at the front of the room and how excited they were about something. And it can be contagious. It is captivating. Yeah. Yes, there involves some the importance of knowledge and understanding yeah. to be course. able to make those yeah. connections, right? And as I suggested, I really knew how to fail well too. But even through those classes that I failed, the really good teachers, though, um, still saw me as a human being and knew that there's still some learning that was taking place in the process of that. Yeah. You know, maybe they were lucky enough that I wasn't that student who uh, called things out in class. I wasn't disruptive. I was pretty clear about where I wanted to go with my schooling. Yeah. Imagine, maybe you've had this happen. I, I haven't had it yet, but maybe you have. Have a student who approached you and said, Mr. Ricky, I just need to tell you that I'm going to show up probably a lot, but I'm not going to engage in your assignments. I'm not going to complete a test and I will share when I feel ready. I don't know (laughs) if you've had that. never happened. So I remember having that discussion distinctly more than once as a student. (laughs) And how would the teacher react to that? Not super great. Not super great. Some of them were just like, like seeing redness appear because they took that so personal. Like I was yeah. slighting them that I was, you know, putting them down yeah. and putting the profession down. And all I was doing is being honest about where I was at in my life. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Attending and passing was now. Not did you have priority. that conversation with Les? I don't know if I did. That's a great question. I think I that's would, something that he knew. It would be so interesting if he know, was sitting here, yeah. what he would say to that. And I because wonder what his reaction would have been to you yeah. having that conversation with him, right? Right. Now with him, though, that never happened. I never said that to him. That yeah. I know. So he may have been privy to that. I'm sure that that's something that would have came around, yeah. right? Or those other things about yeah. how someone felt about me. And, and I imagine that at some point in the lunchroom, someone might have I said something so. about you and then I he might have so. piped in because I think we can all yeah. point to a situation where we've had to do that, come to a def- to the For defense sure. of a certain student because we've seen them in a different on, in a different lens yeah. than that teacher, right? You're right. You know, it makes me think of something though. It's the... Um, kind of like the strategies and methods that we need to motivate and engage students, right? Well, yeah. And so for less, for me, it was to engage in things that seemed tangible, that seemed like they were things that I could apply in my life. Yeah. You know, 
And the area that I've always enjoyed has been history and geography, environmental science, yeah. science. And, uh, but he just f was able to take time to make sure that I felt like I was connecting to that perhaps in more profound ways, you know, yeah. things that were individualized. But, uh, yeah. So what strategies and methods do you like to use to engage and motivate your students effectively? Talking to them. Yeah. Really talking to them in between little activities, during activities, and having little conversations to figure out what makes them tick. Because I don't think there's anything that... I There's no strategy that I know works with every student. So it's just essentially building out a scouting report of the mm -hmm. students in my classroom. Yeah. But in right? the end like, though, aren't you just building their self-esteem and self-confidence? Yeah. Maybe I, that may be a naive thing to say, but I don't, I'm not sure. I, I don't think so. I think you're allowing them to feel good about just being, just them being them and feeling that they can talk to an adult. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to do is make it, make them feel comfortable. And then once yeah. you've broken that, that barrier, mm -hmm where they're comfortable, I think right. they're going to be more open to what you're, right. you're, you're communicating right. and what you're trying to teach. Yeah. And I think some people may interpret that. And I know that's not true of you, but I think some people would legit interpret that as courting friendship. Yeah. And I don't think that's, yeah, that's what you're saying not, at all. No, not at all. I'm not their friends, No, but no, because that's, I've, that's, that's where things yeah. can, they're too blurry. They're, yeah. they're too gray. Yeah, exactly. And I'm not a therapist either. No, I'm not no, saying no, that I'm a therapist, no, no. but I can be a soundboard. Sure. I don't think there's anything with being a soundboard. For sure. And I think that's so important. Right? Good. <clears throat> oh, I'm all ears. Mm -hmm. How many people just want to be heard? Yeah. That's all I'm doing. And yeah. I'm asking, and I'm letting you mm -hmm. steer the conversation where you want to go with it. So it's definitely not friendship. And that's scope of, and that's scope of practice stuff too that we're talking about. Yeah. That's not outside of scope. That's not psychi psychiatric analysis. It's it's nothing like that. No. No, that's just being a sounding board to yeah. those things and things that require immediate attention or things that require their furtherance outside of our scope or profession is exactly where those things yeah. need to go. And it's nice to know that those things are in place for students today, perhaps not yesteryear but certainly now, right? Yeah. So I think that's really important though, yeah. what you're saying. And I hope listeners are really hearing the importance of fostering relationship. Well, it's important. A positive, positive relationship, not, not friendship relationship, but respectful relationship. Yeah. It's where... just respectful and being positive. That's it. Those are the two yeah. key things in the, in that interaction. There's yeah. no friendship piece whatsoever. I'm not saying, well, I think this and I think that and I know. No, it's not personal. No. No, God, no. Not at all. Shouldn't be. It's no. It may go there some, sometimes with folk, uh, but I don't want to go down that no. rabbit hole of no. of uh, uh, assumption, but it's yeah. not where it should go. No. And sometimes they'll try to bring it to that, but you have to... Be an adult. The other way, exactly. Be professional. At the end of the day, I'm that. a professional, right? Yeah. And yeah. it's... It, 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 I think with the younger generation the friendship piece can be mm -hmm. can get can be cloudy right mm -hmm. because a 24 year old that's coming in it's true 
talking to an 18 year old sometimes all and of a sudden mindful about the approach that they have exactly. or the correct understanding the, of how to be professional so that can be a little a little dicey but i had good role models that kind of explained to me but it showed me where that line was right where you're not crossing that and because once you've crossed that line mm-hmm. like we both know it's yeah. tough you're not going back no and and that's where you've that's where the direction the steering needs to go in other places where there are other folk yeah where they're able to best help yeah right and i i don't know what everyone's school setup is yeah but there's lots of social workers or um emergency teams that can be activated and working with your administration otherwise and if you don't have those answers folks you need to know them yeah Mm -hmm. right you do. You have to know yeah. how those things work, where they can go. Yeah. You need to know that. You don't want to guess at those things. No. You need to know them. And, and if so, you don't know them, I think it's important to be honest mm-hmm. with whoever you're dealing with that you don't know them. And get those answers. And get the answers. Yeah. Don't just sit there. If you yeah. have a student in your... And it's happened to me when I right. switched schools and was now right. at this new school and I had a student that was struggling... Mm-hmm the student asked for help and I had no idea how to get the help. So I just said to the student, I'm not sure how to get you help, but I'm going to find the correct Avenue for you. That's true. I'm going to help you. Yeah. And I found the right way to do it. And I learned along the way, Mm -hmm. but I was honest. I didn't just BS the, the student, try to make up this Mm -hmm. excuse of, yeah, they'd see through that. They'd see right through it. Exactly. No, I was honest. Sorry. I don't know the answer, but I will look into it. Yeah, students who confide in you about experiencing difficulty in their life or otherwise require educators to be good listeners, but never blurring or crossing professional boundaries. We can be supportive of students by doing our best to acknowledge what was shared, but also to guide them in ways that are beneficial to their needs at that time. We will continue to explore these topics from this point in the next episode. Thank you for joining us for part one of the special two-part series on Thriving Perspectives. Be sure to tune in for part two, where we will continue our deep dive into the qualities and skills of exceptional educators and hear Ricky's incredible personal journey and perspectives, especially how important being resilient is to thriving in life. If you enjoyed this and would like more content from us, See the links in the description to visit our website and to follow us on our social media platforms. If you thought of someone in your life who might be positively impacted or inspired from this discussion, please share it with them. Take care, and we look forward to connecting again with you soon. Keep on thriving. Mm-hmm.